0: Hello, my name is Sheila and I would like to welcome you to my podcast, All About You. I love to listen to podcasts and especially conversations with famous people. However, I think everyone has a story to tell. Maybe a place you have visited, a hobby you enjoy or anything that you feel would be of interest. I want to have conversations with lots of different people and hear their stories. So if you have a story to tell... Please contact me on my email, allaboutyoupodcast at yahoo.com. Well, welcome to the All About You podcast. And today I'm back with Ad to continue our conversation about films and the film industry. The reason I wanted to bring AD back is because after we had finished the last podcast, AD gave me so much interesting conversations and uh, details about the film industry that I didn't know, good sources to watch films. I thought we definitely need to bring AD back. So here we are. So, AD, welcome back.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me back. And um, I, I hope I'm not overstaying my welcome with the listeners. But, no, uh, not I'm at all. Happy at to all. be here.
0: Lovely. Okay, so, AD. When we were talking about um, the la- on the last podcast we talked about your involvement in the film industry I went down memory lane with the Saturday morning pictures and so where are you taking
1: us today? Well I think um, as you said we were we, we, we were chatting afterwards and uh, just about the nature of the film industry and where it might be going um, as we're recording this we're still in the, the middle of the Covid pandemic and so the nature of watching movies at the cinema is um, certainly on hiatus and potentially in long-term doubt um, in terms of how long it might take us all to get used to the idea of sitting in a, um, a confined space with hundreds of fellow filmgoers. Um, but in the meantime, you know, there's still lots of ways um, and avenues of watching movies and um, I think if we just, yeah, I can highlight some of my favorites and some give, might give some of um, your listeners some pointers about where they might want to explore. Um, Cause there's certainly no shortage of stuff to watch out there. I mean, the most obvious streaming services um, like Netflix and Amazon prime have obviously got lots and lots of movies on them. Um, they've got quite, quite limited in their way i mean so there's lots when you first join and you think oh my god there's so much here to go through once you start actually once you take out the ones that you've seen before the ones, you, the ones you're not interested in and so on it can be quite narrow and they come and go as well the as i think i mentioned in the previous podcast there's um you know things aren't guaranteed to stay on forever so so, so it's a case of having to get take them or you know, watch them while you can um, and I think from my narrow experience, uh, I, I definitely want to, wouldn't want to present myself as an expert. I think Amazon Prime has the better selection overall in terms of their deep catalogue. Netflix has a lot of new stuff um, that they're actually developing and producing themselves, which is great. Um, but I think in terms of actually looking at, you know, um, as I say, deep catalogue, older movies and a bigger selection... Amazon Prime, for my money, is probably a bit better. And uh, Amazon's also got, without it sounding like an advert, um, they've also got some good uh, links to other movie sites which have you know, additional um, subscription costs. So be wary of those. Um, but one of those, for instance, that I think we mentioned in passing last time is the BFI website, the British Film Institute. Uh, depending on where you might be listening to this, it may or may not be available. So um, I'm very wary that it's the world wide web and so not everything is available everywhere. Um, But the British Film Institute service is excellent. They've got a very, very good selection um, of movies um, with um, also with good extras as they have good introductions by um, well-respected critics and commentators and uh, good extra features and documentaries about the movies they have as well.
0: So can I just backtrack a bit? I mean, I'm not a huge user of Amazon at all. So with the Amazon Prime, it's a subscription service to film, so you download the film, you watch it and then do you return it or do you Um, have
1: it for life? um, There's a lot of movies on Amazon Prime that are included. So you can just stream them and just watch them.
0: So, if you've got an Amazon that. Prime account, yes, you get the film package, yes, and
1: that's there's, there's lots and lots and lots of stuff, right? Okay, on that. however, they also have portals to other services right. um, like BFI, there's one called Arrow, um, who have very good cult movies, um, and there's lot, lots and lots of different, very quite specialist services, um, some from across the world. So, some of them are, I think, I think there's some Indian movie. Um, subscription service, and for those you'll pay, for instance, something like two or three pounds um, per movie, and you'll get them for like 48 hours.
0: All oh, right, so you don't get to keep them. No. Oh, right, see, okay. So, so it's a bit like an online uh, blockbuster. Yes, right. Okay.
1: Very much. That's the yeah. that's the model they're going on. So you get, I think, forty eight hours from the moment you start watching it for the first time. So it's not when you actually sort of select it; mm. it's when you start watching it. So you can pause it overnight if you fall, if you get sleepy or have anywhere to go. So um, and that's um, a good a good option. Um, again, bearing in mind the worldwide uh, possible listenership here. Um, If you've got access to it, the Criterion channel um, is fantastic. Um, Film buffs will be very aware of the Criterion brand of DVDs um, and they have their own streaming service in some territories. And again, fantastic extra features um, with commentaries, interviews um, with filmmakers, even some of the older, very old movies, they do fantastic restoration work and uh, that's, I'd very much recommend those for fans. Of older movies, and you've got these. There's um, other services. There's one called Mubi, M U M M U B I, which is quite a limited service, but it's actually quite clever. Is they only ever they only ever have 31 films available at a time, but every day they take one off and replace it. Ah,
0: oh, so it's like a rolling list thing. Yes, yeah.
1: And it's I think it's I think like a lot of these services, they're probably about five pounds a month. Um, again, depending on when and where you're listening to this, it might be different. But that's I think that tends to be um, the subscription type price. And so you, there's always one at least one new thing to watch. And uh, that's probably, you know, for most of us, it's the choice that's the problem. It's when you've got the whole history of movies potentially at your fingertips. It's actually the choosing what to watch next is the problem. It's not the fact that there's nothing to watch. It's probably that there's too much to watch. Yeah. So I think the curated aspect of a service like that um, has actually got a fair bit to recommend it and they're all very good films they're sort of quite you know it's uh, not random they tend to be very good um, classic films and some newer ones as well Um, and in the UK for instance um, the Curzon cinema chain is uh, very has done a very interesting thing whereas they make their newer films available it's usually foreign films they specialize in foreign and art type movies Um, but you can um, rent those um, almost, I think, um, if not exactly on the day of release at their cinemas. So um, I think that, again, especially bearing in mind the um, COVID pandemic at the moment, is I think they were doing that even before that, that they were making, making it just a choice of how you watch movies. It doesn't actually matter whether you watch them in a cinema or at home, it's just the watching them that's important. And I think that's interesting, and I think it's probably the direction that in the coming years it will probably go to I think we'll get closer to day and date um, watching of movies at the cinema or at home it'll just be a choice that people make and the, the price will reflect that I'm sure
0: I mean this is so opening up my eyes AD. I mean I, I love going to the cinema. Uh, admittedly, I don't go that often. Yes, I watch films on TV. And I've got a core collection of, of films or DVDs that I've collected over the years. For example, The Holiday, you know, with with Kate Winslet, who I think is an absolutely wonderful, wonderful actress. I will watch that every Christmas and probably two or three times during the year. Sound and music, again, a classic. But, but it's... One of the questions I've got for you is: How do cinemas get particular films? Does a company say, "Right, every Odeon is going to have this week. We're having this film," or how, how does it work with the cinemas? This is what I'm going to show this month. How, how does that come about? That's uh, a
1: quite it's an interesting question. There's um, a, you have to remember that the film studios own a lot of the cinemas, um, so that they have they they will actually dictate. Which movies? So when
0: we're talking about the big, so I don't you, know what the Odeons or whatever yes. they are now. So
1: um, and you've got to remember that a lot of the studios are owned by these sort of multinational conglomerates like the Sony's right. of this world, okay. and they also own the cinemas as well. This is what they call vertical integration, right? Okay. Um, whereby they know exactly what the movies are that are coming, and they say, right, we've got the new, whether it, um, not in this particular case, but Sony. Not particularly Sony, but you say it's new Star Wars movie and you will show it on so many screens. Um, but they have an open arrangement with each other, but they don't um, hold back their movies from other chains. So you don't get exclusivity. It won't be that a, mm. um, for instance, Harry Potter film will only be shown at Odeon cinemas or View cinemas or whatever. Um, they're, all, they're all very open with each other in terms of keeping it as an open market. Um, and what they do is that they, they will, yeah months in advance, if not years, they will have, they will set release schedule and they will say, right, this big new movie, the big new summer blockbuster is going to be released on June the 15th and we're going to be putting this many millions of pounds into advertising it and therefore we want you to set aside five screens per uh, per multiplex to show it because it's going to be the big movie. Then what happens is it's actually released and then that then everything changes because they don't want to be selling, you know, it's like, um, like seats in planes. Once you've set this, once the planes left the ground, it doesn't matter how many seats are empty or full, you know, you, you've got that much money and they don't want to be sending empty seats across the Atlantic, for instance. And it's the same with cinema seats is that if a movie underperforms, what you will find is that it gets moved to the smaller screens or taken off altogether. And similarly, if it's incredible success, they will either move it to bigger screens or put it on, on more screens. And it's quite an adaptable process and it can even happen, yeah, midweek is that every individual cinema manager will take it on his own head to actually say, right, I've got more people. I'm having to turn away people from film A and I haven't got enough seats for film B, so I'm going to swap them around. So he,
0: he's got the possibility yeah. of like moving so everybody.
1: They're, they're, the broad plans are made months in advance. Um, but when it is is, there's the old saying is that no no battle plan survives first contact with the enemy. It's that kind of idea is that the plans are made months in advance, but that can change overnight depending on the success or failure of a movie. And uh, again, in these days of social media, a movie can get a bad word of mouth virtually overnight. Back in the old days, word of mouth meant something. It meant that I'd go and see a film and I'd tell my friends at work the next day, and they may go and see it the next week. Nowadays, it's across the world.
0: So with social media, they can make or break a film so quickly yes, just absolutely. using social media. Yeah,
1: and, and you've got sites like uh, Rotten Tomatoes It's the most yeah, famous, yeah, we use um, that. where um, they aggregate all of the criti- um, critical scores from across the world and all the media to give it a fresh or rotten score according to the average Um, marks across the world and uh, there's talk um, that it's too powerful is that a movie can be uh, only have been out 24 hours and instantly is being thought of as a failure and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because it's not a failure because it's a bad film it's a failure because a very small number comparatively small number of people may have watched it and not liked it which is their right of course um, but it skew, It potentially skews um, skews the audience. So and it can be
0: such a numbers game. You know, as much as all the effort and the money has been put behind the oh, yeah, film, it, it can be screwed at the end through. Yeah. So you, you spent three.
1: You spent three years making a film, and within twenty four hours, it's a failure. It's what uh, in America it's called when a movie opens. Is they say it's, if it opens, that means you've got good numbers. And the most the the worst call any producer can ever get is from the cinema um, executives. I say it didn't open, and it's uh, just overnight it can be uh, known as a you know, a failure or a hit. Of course, like it yeah. can happen the other way. And then you get what are what are called sleeper hits, which are the ones that start slowly but gradually do. And even nowadays um, it can happen where you it starts slowly but gradually actually gains viewers. As the weeks and months go on, the best example in recent years was *The Greatest Showman* with Hugh Jackman. Oh
0: right, yeah. Which started
1: out really slowly and thought, and that was looking like a flop. But as it went on, as people really did tell their friends, "This movie's fantastic. You've got to go and see it," and uh, people did, and it ended up being one of the biggest hits of of its year. Um, and is now sort of like one of the favourite you know, favourite musicals of recent years. And I haven't seen it. There you go. So that's, your, that's your first your first recommendation. Today I think
0: is, I've seen La La Land, but I haven't seen the greatest. But everyone's been going crazy about the songs from it as well, and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I mean, you've got. I mean, that's then. Then you start going into the overlaps with other media. You've got things, yeah, like Spotify and YouTube and so on, where it's now easier to actually find those songs, like Frozen, for instance. I
0: mean, musical type films seem to be having a, a resurgence of interest. Yeah, mu- musicals never. I mean, it's like we go back to Mamma Mia, the Abba story. I mean, I think we've had two Mamma Mias now. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, that to me is a musical. I mean, I love the old musicals, the old black and whites I used to watch when I was a teenager. So to me, Mamma Mia is a musical. You know, as you said, The Greatest Showman. Is, is it all happening in, in the musicals? I think, it's a, well, it's, a,
1: it's very, they never went away on stage. I think that's what's interesting is the movie musicals, started going downhill in the 70s is and you, this is a longer conversation but it, the the received wisdom is that movies got a lot more serious in the 70s um it was all very much about realism and that didn't really jibe with musicals because musicals and you know, people bursting out into song in the middle of a conversation fabulous is, yes but it's not real it's not <laughs> it's it, not everybody's thing yeah is it? and so in the 70s it, and in the 80s it, it was very very rare um, to see musicals out there and certainly not successful ones. But in on stage they were, they've always been the bread and butter of, the, of the, the West End and Broadway. Musicals have always stayed big and I think in the last probably 15-20 years they've started trying to move back into um, movie musicals. And they, but it's still a big gamble. Is the Cats musical last year it was a huge, huge flop?
0: And I loved it. I absolutely. I mean, I when I heard, I was, I was talking to my friends, been to see the new Cat. Oh my God, it's dreadful! I thought it was genius. I, I would buy the DV, I would watch it over and over again. I mean, for me, one of the best things during pandemic, as in looking for a positive is Andrew Lloyd Webber on YouTube was doing a, a Friday night, the show must go on, <laughs> okay. and he did Phantom of the Opera and it was an anniversary edition from the Royal Albert Hall. Oh my God, that was the best thing I have seen in years. And then he did several, um, but but that, I mean, I, heard, I dragged out my original DVD of uh, Phantom that I've had for years, looking for all the music on YouTube and stuff. I thought that was brilliant. But he decided to do a Friday night and you, you could um, donate because obviously the actors and film industry, mm. theatre industry, it all ground to a halt. And, and it was so successful. You got the little chat thing, or people from all around the world. I thought that was genius.
1: Yeah, and the another big thing that happened this year was um, Hamilton Um, because Hamilton's the biggest stage musical in decades on Broadway and in London as well. And they released a filmed stage version of it that was actually made with the original cast some years ago. And um, that was released on Disney Plus, which is another service we didn't mention earlier, Um, and was a massive, massive success just to be able to see the original cast members. And to watch it be able to watch it every day, and bearing in mind that tickets go for like thousand dollars on Broadway, to be able to just watch it twice a day, if you want, well, if, ten times a day if yeah. you want to, um, I think is fabulous. Um, and that's something new that may happen because a lot of stage plays are filmed for reference. Is that they you know early on in a play, in a play's run, it'll it won't be intended for release, but they will film it with a professional crew so that for touring purpose Mm -hmm. is that touring companies can watch it and say ah this is what they did on west end and this is what we're going to try and copy when we're touring around the country and you get an impression of what the show is is like Um, and they actually released the Hamilton version of that Um, and it it had very good production values I don't don't want to make it sound like it's a home movie it was very very nicely done Um, but I think that those again partly it's filling a gap in terms of there not being enough content around at the moment, but it's also to supply demand for people who love musicals and want to watch them, in that context. Um, but it, as I say, it's certainly not uh, a guaranteed money spinner. As you know, musicals these days—you you, know, you um, they they're binary. They work or they don't. People like them or people don't. And uh, I think it's interesting what you said that you you know you loved it, Cats, mm. despite it having a really bad reception. One of my things I say all the time and I even and I say this even as a film buff myself is that you're not obliged to like or not like anything is anybody you know is is what what you respond to as a viewer or what the individual responds to you don't have to go along with what the critics say or even what your friends say is what if it works for you it works and that's really important because I think it's I do feel sometimes with some critics they make you feel as if or so you read some books about the best films ever made, and they try and make you feel that you're somehow deficient as a film viewer, or as a human being, if you don't think these movies are the best movies ever. Um, I remember
0: when Top Gun came out. I mean, um, I think the song was "Take Take My Breath Away" or "Take Your Breath Away." Huge, huge hit. I was so sick of the song, I wouldn't go and <laughs> see the film. But I saw Top Gun. I don't know how many years ago. That was actually quite a good film but I was so late to the party because the song I was just so sick and I thought if this song is going all the way through the film I'm going to shoot myself
1: well films that's the thing is, you, films when they're released they're around forever and you sort of you sometimes can get caught up in the hype badly or well as I say you can get sick of them you Yeah, know, I
0: must admit I'm not one to rush off to see the you know, the big blockbuster on the first week of opening absolutely not I'll probably pick it up five years well, later I was like
1: that with Grease back in the days I was so sick of John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John that uh, the thought of actually paying money at the cinema to see them do it for an hour and a half was the last thing on my mind
0: but it's that film though I mean how old is that film? well it's about
1: I've got, I've got 1978 in my book. I was going
0: to say, it's going to be late it. 70s, and that film is still as popular. I think they made a second one with Michelle Pfeiffer, which I think... I'm not a great fan of... If a film's been really successful, like Bridget Jones, that type of thing, OK, do I want to go and see the second one? And I, I think, for example, Sex in the City. Love the series, love the first film, the second one... Sharpen, take a breath here. <laughs> Some things, I've done a good job, step away.
1: Yeah, leave it alone.
0: Leave it alone. Don't try and tinker and stuff. And and yeah, so, I mean, I know I'm, I'm referring to very mainstream films because that's the type of stuff I guess I go for. When I go to cinema, I want to be entertained, eyeing the musical, have a little cry, a little rom-com, James Bond, no, because I just never understand them and I feel exhausted when I, you know, I feel like I've been through the washer when I come out because they're just bang, bang, crash, crash, kill, kill. Not my thing at all.
1: No, but I think that's another thing, though, is about the environment and about, not every film is for every occasion, is there are films that you watch with a beer and a pizza and your mates and you're shouting at the screen and you want things blowing up and it's that that that's great. And there are movies for you know quiet contemplation, there are ones for sort of like making you think about life in the universe in general and about your place in it maybe and about you know and things that just make you feel about yourself and about your life and I
0: mean I guess that's the thing with cinema, isn't it? You know, because we do have the social media, because you can download or rent with Amazon Prime you can find whatever you want for you at that moment, whether you want to laugh, whether you want to feel cosseted, whether you want to feel king of the world with an action film. Yeah. It's it's, all there for
1: you. Yeah. And I think it's, and this comes back, I think, to something we said previously is that that's the thing. The great thing about seeing a movie in the cinema is you are locked away. You're not thinking about the washing up. You're not doing the ironing. You know, it's, it's actually you and the screen and yourself for those, you know, 90 minutes or two hours and you know, really allowing yourself to escape and get lost and I think that that's you know so I don't think the cinema experience and the same and to an extent that's the same with the theatre as well and also the shared experience you know is knowing you're going through that with possibly a few hundred people is yeah you know, that's actually a different that's accessing something different really primal inside you you know it's a hundred people laughing or gasping you know, in exactly. wonderment or crying exactly yeah you know, there's there you know is knowing that you you know you and all of these people are feeling the same thing at the same time yeah that's real yeah that's stuff that goes back to cavemen stuff about you know real deep inside us
0: you're feeling part of a group of people with sort of a, a common bond yeah
1: and yeah. i think that's that's fantastic you know and, and that and you you get a little bit of that even when it's a bunch of you yeah, watching the Blues Brothers on yeah. video, you know, and you go, oh, which I think going. I
0: found out talking to my husband over Christmas. I haven't seen that either. <laughs> I'm going to have a, such a long list of films that I should have seen.
1: Or well, I I'll go back to saying there's no films you should see. You know, yeah. but you know, I think I think there's there's a lot of stuff out there that a lot a lot of people have watched and found to be good movies. And I think when you if you go on. Um, the internet movie database the imdb.com um they've got scores against the movies as as a general rule the highest scored movies are usually pretty good Mm um nobody should feel obliged to like a movie Um, on my bit if i had one big movie confession i don't quite get casablanca you know it's it's clearly a great movie i really like humphrey bogart it's a lot of it i i admire but i don't get that that fundamental response that clearly lots of people do and it's and but I you know I'm not going to feel guilty about that I I respect and admire it and I've watched it numerous times you know and I I, I keep saying no I still don't quite get it and you're not obliged to nobody should tell you what to like and what not to like but I think you should also also open yourself up and say right this doesn't sound like my thing but lots of people really like it I think I ought to give it a chance and I think giving it a chance is the thing. Is It's not doing it while you're doing the ironing or scrolling through your phone. It's actually sort of saying, right, I am prepared to give this long Japanese movie from 1954 a go. I'm going to watch it. And I'm going to dedicate myself to it for a while. And hopefully I will get what everybody else gets. And that's, I think, you know to give yourself you know open yourself up to something new and
0: and i think that gives you you know yourself a good a good idea to say as you say sit down put the phone down put the ipad down make yourself a cup of tea or a yeah, glass yeah. of wine and yeah en- enjoy that experience go, 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 in, in yeah, surrender thing. to it yeah, i think that's yeah. what
1: you've got to do is you've got to you know honor what was intended you're meant to be you know watch it not half watch it I mean you can do what you like but you know you're not you're not really getting the full benefit that's
0: true if
1: you're not if you don't really give yourself to it which as I say doesn't oblige you to there's one thing
0: I, I want to cover with you Ada. just before we started recording you were talking about films on YouTube yeah well, that's another,
1: you... well there you go this is where you get into the really esoteric stuff and again if you want to be a student and if you want to sort of like check out new things or old things very old things is that movies do go out of copyright after a certain period of time. And you find these days, a lot of old, old movies um, are on YouTube um, free to watch, Um, especially old silent movies, which I'll admit is not for everybody, but a lot of them are made very relevant. They're sort of like, they're recolored and retinted and done with new soundtracks Um, because they're open. They're a great opportunity for musicians, um, to write new soundtracks and perform them with, um, with old movies. And a lot of what's called um, pre-code movies, here's um, a bit of movie history, is that when films first started in the sort of like uh, early 20th century, Is um, it was a bit of a Wild West, Is people just made movies and they showed them. And then the talkies came in in the late 20s. Um, and again, there was no rules about what you could show and what you couldn't. And then suddenly um in the early 30s in america this thing came in called the hayes code h-a-y-s and um, it was very much a moral code about what you could and couldn't show on screen and it was things like showing unmarried people in the same bed and even oh, right. and this is where um, a flash of ankle yes and <laughs> if uh, if a woman was uh if a woman and man were on a bed one, they both had to have one foot on the floor at all times well, that's it's,
0: how you stop becoming pregnant, apparently. Exactly. And this is, <laughs> no, that, that is just something... Yeah, like no, and uh,
1: <laughs> yes, for our viewers, like don't, don't try this at yeah, home. Yeah, we'll
0: cut this, but yeah, don't try this
1: at home. Yeah, but it's things like you couldn't allow... Um, cr- criminals couldn't be seen to get away with crimes. And oh, things like that. so moral code. There's a, lot, a huge, yeah. list, huge list of things that couldn't be um, included. But anyway, so, but movies before this code came in, which was basically before 1934, were a lot racier um, and you had a lot of very strong female characters who were clearly, you know, not not explicitly, but clearly sleeping with a lot of men.
0: Wow. Um, for
1: instance, and criminals getting away with it. And so, movies made sort of between you know, 1930 and 1934, uh, very worth seeking out because they're quite eye-opening and didn't don't uh, tend to be seen these days. And so, there's interesting stuff out there to go to go looking for. And uh, one of the good things about YouTube and I think we said it before about, you know, once you start watching things on any of the streaming services, they'll start recommending the kind of things you'll like. And YouTube is great for that. You'll watch one thing and down down the right hand side, there'll be another 10 things that it will lead you on to. Um, And there's a lot of interesting stuff to search out. And I'm always wary, and I think I said it in my previous podcast, is to make it sound like work or make it sound like you're a student again. It's not, you know, I say things like being a student of film. It's just about finding stuff you enjoy and giving it a go and, you know, opening yourself up to the new things that are available out there that you may not have seen. Um, As time goes on, I mean, I do feel, um, in some ways for, you know, maybe younger viewers, Um, who are just coming in there's so much stuff to plough through you know decades and decades of film history to theoretically plough through but conversely it's easier now than it ever was it's more accessible yeah I mean as um is being a film buff before video before home video came in VHS in the sort of late 70s was hard work you know, you had to actually, you know, actively pound the streets looking for repertory cinemas to show these movies that you might have read about. Um, and in maybe in the big centres like London or Birmingham or Manchester or wherever, that was possibly doable. But there were lots of places in the country where you know you might read about some movie and you'd never get to see it until maybe it turned up, you know, ten o'clock at night on BBC Two. And um, so, and even then, you went if you had to stay up and watch it because you couldn't record it it was quite, um, you know, that was quite an undertaking to really be a film buff. And that's why, you know, novelisations of films, you'd buy the book because it was your only way of reliving the movie. Now, these sorts of things, you know, we take for granted now that any, you know, in real terms, any movie you want, you can either order the DVD and it will be on your mat in the morning, or it's already on a streaming service and you can watch it you know, within five minutes, you know, we could mention a movie now on this podcast and within five minutes, we could be sitting on the sofa watching it. That's, you know, that's really quite impressive and quite, but it's a different way of watching movies to how it used to be. And it's better, you know, I don't want to say, you know, I'm, I'm very aware of sounding like a grumpy old man at times, but that's fantastic. I think that that kind of accessibility and the ability to, you know, really watch any, whatever you want, pretty much whenever you want shouldn't be looked on as anything other than a great thing. Um, And I think as long as you don't narrow yourself down to too small a furrow of the type of movies you watch, then um, there's a whole host of stuff out there to be enjoyed. So go go out and enjoy it. That would be my message.
0: Oh, that's brilliant. I mean, we're just entering 2021 now. So hopefully this year is going to be a lot easier for everybody hopefully we're going to be back in the cinema for those that like to go and have their, their full experience you've given us lots of information about streaming websites, Amazon Prime and particularly YouTube for me I mean I just love YouTube and the fact that all these old films are on there is, is absolutely brilliant so I know Ad, when I listen to this podcast I will be there with the pen and paper all these films that I, I have been on my radar or have not even come across Plenty of films to keep me going through 2021. So, Aidy, thank you so much. You've opened my eyes. There's been a lot of funny moments and I've thoroughly enjoyed having you as a guest, a d So, Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year to you. And uh, thank you very much for having me back. It's, it's been, been an, an
0: absolute pleasure. For me too, thank you. Thanks, a d I hope you have enjoyed the conversation. Don't forget, if you have a story you would like to tell, please get in touch. My email address is allaboutyoupodcast at yahoo.com and thank you for listening.